0: Sometimes all we need is a jolt, a fresh idea, an aha moment that connects us to a sense of possibility. This, my friends, is what I call an electric idea. Welcome back to Electric Ideas. Today's guest is Michelle Lewis. Michelle is a color psychology expert, founder of The Color Cure, and author of the book we're discussing today called Color Secrets. Michelle helps people discover the entire world of color. She looks at it from so many different angles to see how it can support people's intentions and how people can strategically use color in their day-to-day lives. Michelle often talks about how color is one of the most underrated tools. And I think this conversation is going to have more layers than maybe you would expect. I know you're going to have some fun takeaways, so let's get started. Okay, Michelle, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: This is such an exciting topic. I am a color lover, so I was an easy sell. But I think that a lot of people are going to have a lot of enlightened moments on just how deep color can go. (laughs) I hope so. So I want to get into your book right away, because you say in your book that color is the one universal language we were never taught. Let's start there.
1: Absolutely. You know, when I started exploring color. I was in college, someone gave me a book called if it's purple, someone's going to die. And it was all about using color in film and how people used it in production in order to create an emotional response from their audiences. And that's really where my journey began. And as I grew and started to use color in different aspects of my life and started studying the visible light spectrum, it became more and more clear that, hey, it's not just what it is. It is a language and that I really, really, really wanted to prove that. And that's what went into the research in my book and at least eight colors I was able to prove were absolutely crucial all across the world throughout history. And so that's why the book came to be. And I think it is one of the most powerful tools we have in our arsenal to communicate.
0: So we don't have time to do as deep of a dive into every color, but I would like to start with you sharing kind of the eight colors that have been scientifically documented to have a reaction. So maybe you can list those and then we can kind of tick through them individually and talk about each one a bit.
1: So when I was looking for this, it kind of came because I was working in branding and visibility with my clients and they were trying to figure out what do I use in my branding? And they were really struggling because this was also when neutrals became so popular and yet their sales weren't increasing when they would do these big rebrands. And so That's what kind of prompted me to study the browns, the blacks, the grays, the whites, and it became almost impossible for me to find scientific proof that it caused a huge reaction in the body or emotionally, aside from black, but worldwide, that really just symbolized death in most cultures. So that's what led me to figure out, okay, well, which colors do communicate? And of course, I started with the visible light spectrum. Having studied natural medicine for a bit of my life, I studied which plants absorbed which light spectrum frequencies and therefore had certain colors, especially when they are like, think about pouring like hot water over tea leaves. And sometimes it turns yellow and sometimes it turns red, that kind of a study. So I was able to definitely see that the primary colors in the visible light spectrum, which is red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple, were extremely communicative. But then my clients would not let pink go, harassing me (laughs) and saying, I know it causes a reaction. You just have to prove it. So I thought, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. And that led me down the road of pink and magenta which absolutely after that in-depth study, I could prove that it definitely caused a huge reaction and was a communicative medium. So those are the eight colors, the ones in the visible light spectrum and then pink and magenta.
0: Okay. Let's tap through a little bit on all of those because I find this so fascinating. So let's start with red. Why do so many people have such a strong reaction to red?
1: Red is definitely the most physically stimulating color that we have available. It increases heart rate, blood pressure, pupil dilation. That was proven in the uh, late 1900s. But at least from what I've seen, you can absolutely as well have your workouts be more effective. There have been different studies that have proven that by being either in a red environment, wearing red can absolutely get you that kind of caloric burn that you want. It's also been used in film over time to absolutely be like visual fuel for a movie you can think about like uh, the wizard of oz and how her shoes are red and they move her from one place to the other you can also think about a movie like run lola run where her hair and everything in her environment are red so it's definitely the most physically stimulating color and it's one that not only makes people take action but can also cause a bit of stress
0: so i know you said in the book and i've heard but maybe you can help us from a color psychology perspective Why people who drive red cars get more speeding tickets.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, you can absolutely look up. There's so many studies on red and it does appear to move faster than other colors, specifically when it's on a car. So that's probably the biggest reason. And plus, we just notice it very quickly. So I think that especially cops, they're more quick to see that color speeding than if it was like a white or a black car.
0: I surveyed my audience and there were a few that said they were a little afraid of red. What's to love about red and what what do we need to be careful of in terms of everyday lifestyle for people that are thinking about how to use and apply color in their lives? Absolutely. So,
1: well, the first thing I would say is that people who are either redheads or wear red, studies have proven that they are considered to be about 30% more attractive. So Hmm. if you are going on a date or you are, you know, public speaking or whatever, this can be a great color to improve your confidence. So I think that, you know, every color has a good side and a bad side. All of us are going to have colors that we love, Then we're going to have colors that we really can't stand. And that might just be personal taste. It might be trauma in our past. It might be, you know, a movie that we've seen that absolutely terrified us, that we just have that association. So I think it's important to know that if we do have strong reactions, either good or bad, to certain colors, it's all based on our culture, our background, our history. So It's really interesting to take in something like if it's my book or all the other books that have been written on color psychology so that we can just learn a little bit more about each color. Us even learning a different name for a color increases the gray matter in our brain. So usually I really like people to start with reading my book because it already, by the time they're done, has changed the way that they think about color. And that's what's so powerful. So for people that are really fearful of red, it's probably just because they've you know seen a lot of horror movies with a lot of blood or mm. whatever it may be. But remember, that's maybe the bad side of red, but there's a good side. Can make you okay. look, you know, more attractive. And it can also bring you more energy. So if I'm feeling really fatigued, then I put on a red shirt, knowing that it is going to increase my blood pressure and heart rate and keep me
0: awake for the rest of the day. Interesting. So maybe we want to avoid red pajamas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, move over red because orange is next. And I definitely want to talk about orange because. This was the most avoided color, top of the list for my community. So why? I'm feeling sorry for orange. What's up with orange?
1: (laughs) You know, I, I used to be one of those people. Orange was one of my least favorite colors, but I forced myself to study it. And I'm so glad that I did. What an incredible color. And it's actually the color most associated with family and balance. So I think, yeah, there's, you know, the orange prison jumpsuit. And maybe that's why we don't like it. Or we were terrified of clowns growing up or whatever it may be. Sometimes it's seen as like a cheap color. Mm. But if you go all over the world, it's actually one of the most rich cultural colors. It's seen as a very spiritual and royal color in places like India, So it has so much significance. And for like realtors, they know if you want to sell a house, plant marigolds in front of it, orange marigolds. And a lot of people put like even orange scent inside of the home. This is a really incredible color that helps us in terms of sunrise, helps us wake up. Sunset helps us go to sleep. It's a really crucial color, and it's one that is proven scientifically to be incredibly powerful. So, it's something that we can't ignore, even if we don't like it. My advice is to at least study it. You don't have to wear it, put it in your environment, you know, flowers or a vase or whatever. Just put it a little bit in your life because it is going to create a physical reaction and hopefully make you feel more balanced. I would venture to say that people probably hate the color. Because it is such a symbolic thing of balance that if their life isn't in balance, they're going to feel pretty repulsed by it. That's just
0: my two cents. That's interesting because, yeah, you said it provides a welcoming feeling too and balance. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you had those specific examples of smaller ways to incorporate because I can tell you as one of the minority people as an orange lover, it is still very tricky to incorporate into a, a house compared to other colors. So yes those small kind of punches with flowers or something like that is super helpful. Okay. There's so many different varieties of it
1: too. It doesn't have to be a bright orange. It can be something that's much deeper and richer. So it's usually because we just have not been exposed to it that we feel a little repulsed by
0: it. But I think that that's something that we can change. Find our shade. I like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next is yellow. And I actually found the history piece of yellow really fascinating because one of the things your book brought to life for me was how the perception of colors has changed so much over time. So I thought maybe we could go there a little bit with yellow. How has yellow evolved in modern history?
1: Well, of course, that is a complex topic and something I'm sure we can't get into too much depth in here, but I do have a really fun story. I spent the summer in Paris and I was very fortunate to get to go to the Louvre And what was fascinating about it is I got to see all of these paintings throughout the past thousand years. And there was this one corridor that was all about the crucifixion and the apostles and the disciples and a very Renaissance and just a very interesting hallway. It was by the Mona Lisa. And so right next to the Mona Lisa is this painting of the crucifixion. And so I was looking at it and they had this one robed figure. You couldn't really see the face, but it was wearing a cape that was entirely yellow. If you've read the book, then you know that yellow became a color that was very associated with being a traitor, specifically in the Spanish Inquisition. So the little placard said, oh, this is symbolizing death and it's a woman that's coming to da 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 And I'm sitting there going, Well, no, because at the time this was painted, this would be associated with betrayal. This is Judas. I don't understand why they don't get this, right? So, so fascinating to see a real-life example and be able to maybe poke at the people studying the painting and saying, I don't think this is who you think it is. Yellow was Mm. so tied to betrayal and, in some cases, even prostitution in history. So really interesting how negatively associated this color was to flash forward now and see how tight it is to hope, optimism, forward thinking. So many studies that, of course, prove this to be true, and especially something that really awakens the nervous system. The eyes are definitely at their peak excitement when you're looking at yellow.
0: I loved the personal detail that you shared that you said, and, and tell me if I'm misremembering, but I think you said that when people are mourning, you tend to send them yellow flowers. Why?
1: Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I think grief is such a hard, hard thing. And I think that, you know, any type of flower, what a blessing to receive. But for me, I always want them to know, like, there's hope. There is a future even though it feels like maybe there isn't now. So those are the colors that I really love to send cuz that's the message
0: that I want them to feel when they receive it. Beautiful. Okay, on to green and you said in your book that if there was one color you'd hope for all of humanity to see and the only one color you'd choose green. Why is that?
1: You know, it took me a long time to figure it out cuz of course it's like, oh, blue's nice oh. too and I love purple and blah blah blah, but there is so much Incredibility to green it is the most balanced our eyes are when looking at a color our bodies can't get past a certain beat per minute in a green environment which is why it might be a little bit harder if you're like training and you're running through the woods and going like why isn't my heart rate getting above this the body responds to green and it really forces it to find calm and balance, especially coming from a city and now living in Northern Idaho and I'm surrounded by trees all the time. I can tell you it's had such a difference for me. So I would want everyone to feel that way every day. So that would be the color I would choose.
0: That's beautiful. I thought it was really interesting what you said. I'd never thought about why from a color psychology perspective, why it might make sense that doctors wear usually green or blue scrubs. Tell us about that. Yes. Surgeons were having such a hard
1: time operating, which of course they're mainly looking at red. And back then they wore white coats into surgery. And what would happen is they would look up and then when they look back down, it would cause kind of like a blind spot, kind of like when you're looking at the sun and then you try to look around. So a surgeon went, well, I wonder if we change the color. And so they tried green and it would reset the rods and cones in the eye and help them then be able to, okay, I can look up, I can see someone in green scrubs and it would kind of reset their vision so that when they look back in the body cavity, they could see more
0: clearly. So that's why they did that, which is, I think, pretty brilliant. Fascinating. I think that's so interesting and um, color
1: saving lives. Yes.
0: Yes. Like I said, (laughs) I mean, this is way beyond just like pulling something fun out of your closet is very fun, but it's way deeper than that. So I appreciate Mm -hmm. learning a little bit about each of these. So next is blue. And I hadn't thought about for a long time as I was reading your book that minus the skies and water in nature and food sources, blue is just Rare in nature. Why do you think that?
1: I think it's definitely a color that is pretty crucial to any living thing's survival. So I think that's why animals and plant life especially do not reflect blue often. Of course, you're going to be able to find a blue flower occasionally, and I think that that's because you're getting more into the ultraviolet spectrum of light, and that's what butterflies and bees love and what they see, which is incredible. But I do think that especially for a living creature, we really absorb a lot of blue light in ourselves and in our bodies. And so I think that's
0: why we don't see it very often outside of the sky and the water. So tell us when it comes to blue, what is one compelling reason when to incorporate it and one thing to avoid? Sure. This
1: is a great color to
0: have around when you are learning something new. It
1: is the color that by far singularly stimulates the mind. So this is a really great color. This is one of my main brand colors, and it's because I'm teaching something totally different, right? And I want them to be able to have a a little bit of subconscious trust with me to just like, hang on, I promise I'm going to prove it to you. So that can be a really powerful color. Uh, It can bring down the heart rate and blood pressure. So this is a great color when you have a high stress job. This is a great color when maybe you're having a really tense relationship to either put on your body or in your environment to calm things down. I personally choose this color in my bathroom. It's in all my cabinetry and even woven into my countertops because I want to calm things down before I go to sleep. But it is not a good color to have too much around you all the time because it's going to so stimulate the mind that everything else isn't going to be as stimulated. This is why it's so important to have that flowing relationship with color if you're in too much blue, you might get into your head too much. You might start feeling a little bit depressed. You might have a really hard time and start maybe even gaining a little bit of weight just because you are not stimulating your body to move. But then again, a lot of people love putting their food into blue containers in their fridge because blue suppresses appetite. So you can see like how you can use it as a tool depending on where you're using it in your
0: life day to day. Interesting. All right. So we've got, you said with, you discovered after pushing, you broke things into purple, pink, and magenta, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So what do you wish people understood about purple?
1: Purple is such a great color. I think it gets a bad rap because it's It has so many ties to spirituality and mysticism that I think some people tend to not take it seriously. And if they see someone wearing purple, they might think like, oh, you know, what a hippie or whatever. But purple is a beautiful color. It's the last color in the visible light spectrum before you get into ultraviolet light, which is why it's so tied to spirituality. What I think is so powerful about purple is that it is a color of relationship to self and others, and it's a very strong connective color. This is the color I wear when I'm going to meet someone for the first time, especially a friend, because I want to be able to symbolize that like, yeah, I do want to build a relationship. And it's a really great color to do that. It also can be very powerful. I have a lot of like therapists, even a doula that brands with purple. And it's because they want to show that connection. And it's very successful for them.
0: What about people who kind of like orange? I mean, purple can be another strong color in our environments every day. So aside from wearing a a purple shirt, what are some more small but intentional ways we might give ourselves a little? dash of purple throughout our day. Coffee mug, jewelry, blanket. I always love doing like an accent
1: blanket on a couch with purple. To me, it just feels really, really good. Flowers. Irises are one of my favorite flowers and most varieties are purple. Uh, I actually have like a little Garden area that is all flowers, and so I've purposely planted all the different colors that I can, just so that I can see all of them every day. You may not have the ability to do that in your home, but you certainly can get flowers once a week from your farmer's market and kind of play with the different colors and see how they make you feel. Great ideas.
0: Okay, so now we're just down to pink and magenta, and with pink, I will say because I, I we touched a little bit in the beginning about personal taste and how. Color can be subjective for various reasons. And I will say that I went through a period of especially like baby pinks and peptobismal pinks. It wasn't like I was indifferent. Like I was just like, oh, no way. I wouldn't touch it. And mm-hmm. so I'd like to talk about pink, but also have you help people understand a little bit more deeply from a psychology perspective why they might be pushed away. Because I think some of us just have like a neutral, like, meh doesn't bug me, but I wouldn't be reaching for it. But that that's been like the one of the only colors that has pushed me away in past times. Very interesting.
1: This is where the psychology I find to be so fascinating because specifically with pink, usually people are split down the center. They love it or they hate it, right? Usually if they hate it, It could be because, and I'm going to talk specifically about females, they were maybe raised and forced. Maybe they really loved blue and they were tomboys, but they were forced to have Barbies and forced to wear pink, forced to have that kind of obvious femininity. That's usually where I find that to be the most prevalent. They usually had pink rooms, pink bedspreads, all that. And so they're just, they're just done. (laughs) They've broken up with pink. Other things, though, I find, especially when a female is older and they are like, pink is their gospel, it's usually because it's the only part of their life that's really safe and comfortable. And they usually want it in their home, on their skin, in their hair, outfits, all of that. And it's because it just, it's the only thing in their life that really makes them feel good and safe. That's the beautiful thing that we can use pink for. One of the things I have the privilege to do is consult with parents who have uh, autistic children. So it's been really fascinating for us to experiment with color and see, okay, I have the studies of how people are going to react to color, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be a child's reaction. So we definitely create an arsenal depending on what the child's most attracted to that helps them self-soothe. And some days that's orange, like what we talked about. Some days it's pink, some days it's gray, some days it's blue. So it's really interesting to be able to bring this in practically to see in a real life example, how are people reacting to a color? And pink is something that can absolutely cause that kind of positive reaction. But like you'll read in the book, when they painted an entire prison pink, because they'd seen, oh, it calms people down when they're getting admitted in this pink cell. So we'll just paint the whole thing pink people went crazy and lost their minds. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, to me, and like you'll read in the book, it makes sense because when you are making pink, that's red and white, and we know what red does. So it's a very interesting thing when you study color. There's really no bottom to it, but something I did want to tell you that I will be updating the book with, I actually was working on with a dessert churro company, believe it or not, and we they brand everything with pink. And I was saying there aren't any studies that really link pink to people being hungry or not. And so they did their own study. And they polled over 2,000 people in Britain. And they found that sweet treats and desserts, 21% of people admitted to feeling those feelings of hunger for dessert when they're in a pink environment, which I thought was really
0: interesting. Mm, okay. All right. Well, interesting about pink. I, I think that'll get people noodling or at least paying attention to if they have a strong reaction either way to colors. So finally, we have magenta. And what you wrote about magenta really did shift my thoughts because I think I just kind of grouped it in with purple, but it's different. So tell us about magenta and what it stirs up for people. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I was struggling because people were branding with all shades of pink and they were looping in magenta with that, you know, pink, hot pink, magenta. It all kind of was very synonymous in people's language. And to me, I was going, well, the additives are totally different. Technically, it is a color that our brains make up, but it's the combination of red and purple, not red and white. So the more I studied it, the more I saw like, oh, it is different historically, like what you'll read in the book, but also just how people respond and how it's been used throughout history. This is one of the most politically charged colors that's been used. And so it's much more tied to boldness and revolution than, like pink, comfort and femininity. Totally different. So that's what was so fun to discover, to go, no, there actually really is a difference between these two colors.
0: So that's what I found. So interesting. And I can understand that distinction, and it'd be easy to group them together, but so interesting. All right. Now that we have some grounding in these colors, you don't have to give us something for every single color, but you do go through a bit of a cheat sheet for what color to wear for important scenarios. So maybe you can just give us some of your favorite standout. Examples that maybe you've shared with clients or have had kind of aha moments for yourself with what color to wear when?
1: I was working with an author who was narrating her book. And the last book that she narrated, she really struggled, lost her voice. So this was not something that was really exciting to do. Of course, it's great to record your book, but it was just like, okay, am I going to deal with this again? And I said, well, why don't you try wearing orange? So she wore an orange sweatshirt. And she flew through the recording, never lost her voice, had a great experience, which I think was just so incredible. I had someone that was getting on stage at the Kajabi event over the summer, and she was struggling with what to wear. She was leading a panel, wanted to feel, you know, authoritative, but also conversational. And so we went through a couple of different outfit choices, and she chose Magenta. Kept people's attention, got the biggest laugh in the room, had a really great experience. So those are just two that are coming off the top of my head that people are able to use in their daily life to assist their intention through what they put on their skin.
0: Do you think it's important that we cycle? Because there's so much out there right now about wearing certain colors. Do you think it's kind of important that we cycle through some different colors so that we're just testing it out and experiencing them all in terms of what we choose to wear daily?
1: I think so. I think, you know, you can read all the books in the world, but color is personal and it reacts depending on whether or not we're there. And that's proven through the double slit experiment. So If color, aka light, is responsive to whether or not we're there and we're perceiving it, then I would venture to say that we're all going to have a different relationship with the colors we wear. And I can give you a generality of what colors mean, but it might be totally different for you. So I think it's important to at least try all the different colors, then there might be some that you shouldn't wear. For example, my dad tends to have higher blood pressure. He is not allowed under any circumstances, unless on Christmas day, to wear red, right? Because I don't want to raise his blood pressure. So I think that we absolutely can. And you'll find that you are drawn in the day. You'll start having this habit, just like when you get up and you put on your makeup or do your hair in certain styles, you'll get up and you will pull certain colors based on how you
0: feel and what you need. I'm curious because you do also have a background in interior design. In terms of picking colors that support what we need, it's like sometimes the way you're explaining it it is almost like, okay, I want to embody more of this. I'm going to wear my red and be confident. And then other times it almost feels like we need colors to balance us out. Is that true? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So what's your best piece of advice for making color decisions in our home or office environments that support us?
1: Yeah. What do you need? Do you love coming home and having friends over and having just a time where you can relax and socialize? Does that give you energy? Well, then maybe you're doing more of the oranges and the purples, whereas If you really love to come home and have your alone time and calm everything down and feel much more at peace and kind of, you know, settle in and snuggle in, well, maybe you need more blues and more greens to bring everything back to a calmer state. It can also change depending on where you are in your home. You might need certain colors in your office environment versus in your bedroom, in your living room, in your kitchen. So I think that absolutely looking at this more as a diagnostician in your own home is very powerful. And I think it's something that I love to do in my space. And I recommend
0: more people at least try to see if it makes a difference. I think that's fascinating because obviously it would be natural to pick colors that you love. And I think you probably could start there, but there might be other colors that aren't your favorite color that you might want in your environment to kind of balance it out. So that was something that was really coming through to me in your book. Well, we are hitting up against time. But I know, as we said, there's lots of different books about color psychology out there. And you really honed in on something, a piece of it that you felt like wasn't part of the conversation. Is there one thing from your book that people were surprised about or talked about that you feel like you'd like my audience to know?
1: I think people were most surprised, of course, with the different histories of the color. Most men, after they read the book, their favorite color becomes pink, which I think is hilarious. But I'd say predominantly people are shocked that color can be seen as its own medicine and is proven to have a reaction in the body. And I think, you know, if you boil down any medication, it does boil down to one specific color, which is a whole nother conversation. But knowing that we can treat ourselves and help ourselves with color, whether it's on our skin, getting more natural sunlight into our eyes, this is something that I think needs to be a part of the conversation. Because I think it's something that has purposely been taken out of our education and out of our experience where we go from gray schools to gray cubicles to gray homes. And so if anything, I just want to show how powerful color can be, how it can not only help us as adults, but support our children and be seen as the tool that I believe it was put
0: on this earth to be. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I always end my episodes by asking, my guest to share a reflection. So I'll ask you now, what's one question women could be asking themselves more when it comes to color? Are the colors you're
1: repulsed by colors that you need to heal
0: things from the past? Wow, that's a good one. People will be thinking on that one. Thank you so much. This is so fascinating. And there's so much more. So we'll make sure to link to share your book. Where can people find you, Michelle, to learn more about The Color Cure and color psychology and every all the cool stuff you're into?
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You can find me at colorcured.com.
0: And I'm also on most social media at The Color Cure. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Absolutely. It was a blast. Thanks for letting me talk about color.
0: I'm so glad you joined me today. If you're looking for more, feel free to connect with me on Instagram at @whitneywoman. And if you enjoyed the show, I invite you to support me by leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Hope you have an inspired day.